You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. The world is full of unseen forces. Let me be your guide as we lift the veil and peer into the face of the unknown. This is the major as well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey majors, welcome back and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to start with being completely honest with you and say season three isn't ready yet. So I know I was going to have a break and chill, but in reality, that just didn't happen. The world opened up again and my side job in the restaurant got a bit wild. I've been doing 60 hour weeks because a lot of my colleagues are sick with the virus and we're understaffed and it's an ongoing process. So to say it's been a stressful nightmare is a little bit of an understatement. Also, I was approached to do a voiceover for a novel, which I accepted. I thought it was going to be quite chill and quite a fun thing to do, but it's actually taken up a lot of my time. Full details when it's released. So yeah, season three isn't quite ready. I'd like to take another two months off so I can get it ready and get things in the pipeline a bit better. So I'm going to return October 6th. I feel like I've let you guys down and a few of you have been messaging me saying how you're really looking forward to this season and you've got it marked on your calendars. I feel a bit crappy about that, I'm not going to lie. So to lighten the blow, I thought I would still do an episode this week. So this week, we're going to be looking at the Aztec goddess called Tlazolteotl. She is a deeply complex lunar and earth deity, residing over lust, filth, fertility, childbirth, purification, to just name a few. She essentially rules over excess and pardons those who indulge in it. But first, a shout out to my Patreons. Thank you so much to my Midnight Majors. Tara C, Barbara R, 21st Century Promethea, Erin R, Stephanie M, Ruth B, Andrew F, Shirley F, and Corail. And to my Sugarpot Spell Majors, Gillian K, Brittany, Sarah N M, 
Inez TP, Jennifer H, Marie C, Genji, Yolanda V, Mary W, and Praxi O. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It means so much to me. The last few episodes that I've posted on there, I think particularly the Ishtar one and the Planetary Magic one, has gone down so well. Thank you so much for your comments. Just as a little teaser, I never give teasers or hints about what's coming, but the next episode that I've got planned for my Patreon will be based around Marie Laveau, the famous voodoo queen of New Orleans. I also just want to do another quick shout out to Eben Art for the episode artwork. It's beautiful, you should be able to see it on the episode description. I've also posted it to my Instagram. It's based on a very famous statue of Tlazolteotl. Now, this statue was actually the inspiration for the Golden Idol at the beginning of the Indiana Jones film, the Raiders of the Lost Ark one. Basically, he takes the statue and it triggers the boulder to roll down and kill him. It's quite a famous scene. But that gold idol is based on Tlazaltiotl's statue. And the episode artwork is based on that statue as well. So, to see these references, head over to the Majorswell Instagram and also check out Eben Art's page. At Kayutha. That is K-U-Y-U-T-H-A. There's a link in the episode description. Thank you so much, Eben Art. I have approached the research slightly differently this week. Over the course of history, Tlazolteotl has been subject to a lot of Christian propaganda and colonization. She was heavily demonized when the Spanish tore through the Aztec Empire and ancient Mexico and conquered its peoples. I thought I would try to somewhat decolonize interpretations of her and focus more on her pre-Columbian roots and history. I've done a lot of digging, and I think there's some gems in here. So, buckle up majors, because we're going to ancient Mexico, or Anoak, as it was known to the Aztecs. Tlazolteotl was worshipped by many cultures within eastern coastal Mexico, the ancient peoples of the Huastecs, Mixtecs, Olmecs, as well as the Aztecs. Now, the Huastecs were the first to recognise her, and erected many statues to her throughout their lands. Just a side note here, creating statues to the gods during this time within this region was seen as a risky business. If those creating the statue displeased the deity, they could face their wrath. So to counter this, they would pray and fast before they started working on the deity. So the Huastecs are worshipping her, everything's grand, but then the Aztecs, led by Montezuma I, come along and conquer them. Now, Montezuma decides to merge their fertility goddess with the Huastecs Tlazolteotl. So before the Spanish arrived, she was essentially an assimilated goddess. Let's look at her name. It can be translated many ways. Earth Goddess, Filth Goddess, or Dirt Goddess are a few of them. It derives from the Nahuatl word, Tlazoli, meaning old, dirty, or worn out. Teotl means deity. There's no gender behind this word. Therefore, the literal translation of Tlazolteotl is deity of trash, leading some to question the gender of this deity. 
Iconography of her is sometimes dubious in relation to her gender as well, and it also sometimes depicts her as bisexual. Much of this iconography comes from within the codices of the Aztecs. Manuscripts made from animal skin or tree bark, very few remain after the Spanish burnt them, but within these books, Tlazolteotl is one of the most prominent deities. And out of all these deities within the codices, she is the only one that is seen to be giving birth within them. Depictions also show her as naked, only wearing jewellery, and a cone-shaped hat made from bark, and in some, she's shown with a dark ring around her mouth, representing the filth that she's eaten. Interestingly, she is often seen riding a broomstick through the air. Now, personally, I found this fascinating, how Mesoamerica and Europe, two cultures that developed independently, yet they both shared this weird little detail of women riding broomsticks. I love it, and I struggle to find an explanation for it. In other depictions, she can be seen wearing flayed skin. A little bit gruesome, but the wearing of skin was quite common throughout Mesoamerica, particularly with the Mayans and the Aztecs. It was practiced around key dates within the calendar, and was thought to invoke renewal of life, and to bring the rain needed to make the land fertile again. She also has various names and titles that denote her different aspects. So, for example, we have Tlazolteotl Esquina, translating to Lady Cotton, which, surprisingly enough, relates to her relationship with cotton. Tlazolteotl was also known as the Great Spinner and Weaver. Now, traditionally, women wove intricate cloth and tapestries for their household, and brought in a source of income. The bark of the cotton plant was used to induce menstruation. Also, within this idea of cotton, it relates to pregnancy as well. As the spindle thickens with cotton, it will grow bigger, symbolic of a pregnancy maturing. Now, this connection to cotton actually comes from the Huastecs. They are from the Gulf of Mexico, and that area is particularly favourable for the cotton plant. We also have another title, Tlazolteotl Tlaelquani, translating to Eater of Excrement. This was relating to her role as the Taker of Sins. This aspect of her was called in when a child had been born to cleanse the child of the parent's sins. But this is a similar idea with Catholicism here. So this could be more of a Christian interpretation on her rituals and beliefs around her. So maybe take that one with a pinch of salt. Within this role and with this title, she could also redeem sinners by hearing their confessions and cleansing them. This practice was of particular importance to the sick and the dying. One of the big sins within society was adultery. Now, this was a crime and was punishable by death, but by confessing to her, you could absolve your sins. It was actually thought she could cause people to become adulterous as well. Now, within a person's lifetime, they could only make one confession to her, so you really had to pick your moment. Sinning in Aztec society was dangerous, not in terms of upsetting a god or receiving punishment in the afterlife, but to maintain a reputation and live how the ancestors had lived. When sins were committed, cosmic disorder was being invited into the person's life and home, and how that disorder manifested, homelessness, illness, death for example, was a case-by-case -case basis. Now, I say sin, but the Western concept of sin 
doesn't really translate into Aztec society. It wasn't a case of good versus evil, it was more order versus chaos. Also, another interesting side note, now those that who had died young were thought to be more morally pure in some way, and were claimed by a god. For example, let's say you died in battle. It was thought that was because the sun god wanted you, and you went to live with him in the afterlife. If you died by drowning, the rain god wanted you, and it was with the rain god that you spent your afterlife with. If you lived a long life, you were seen as less pure or less exemplary. And upon your death, you would travel to the rather boring underworld called Mictalan. Now, back to the idea of confessing. The ritual around confessing was a long one. First, books had to be consulted as to when the correct date could be given for the priest to travel to the confessor's house. Once the priest arrived, the person had to strip naked and confess with sincerity. The priest would then prescribe purification, which may have involved the person drawing blood from their body in front of a depiction of Tlazolteotl. After this, a trip to her temple was needed, where the person would lie on a sheet of black paper, pray, and then sleep on it. The next morning, the person would wake reborn. Now, if a person didn't confess to their adultery, it was the very same priests who had the ability to grant the pardon who would hunt the person down and administer a punishment. They also had another mode of confession. You would confess to a priest in a paper skirt. You would then travel to a shrine of the Siwa Tatio. These were women who had died in childbirth. Now, within Aztec society, these women became deified and were collectively known as the Siwa Tatio, and Tlazolteotl oversaw them. Now, in the burial of these women who had died within childbirth, a lot of Tlazolteotl's statues were placed within the grave. Now, the sinners had to travel to one of these shrines dedicated to these women, and they were usually located at a crossroads. The skirt would be left there, and the person would have to travel home naked, symbolising a return to their purity. Walking home naked would have garnered a similar reaction as it would today. It was completely unacceptable and very embarrassing. So, Tlazolteotl, she takes away people's sins, but she's also the eater of waste, bodily discharges, and symbolizes decay, the breaking down of the old so that the new can form. She represents filth and disorder, but is also linked to purification, and it's said that Tlazolteotl was the one who created the sweat lodge, known in this part of the world as a Temescal, and she actually guarded it. Temescals were a place where people would purify, but it would also be a place to hook up and have sex, especially for homosexuals. The Spanish weren't keen on this and condemned them. For more info on Temescals and sweat lodges generally, check out my episode last season called Bathhouses and Sweat Lodges. Generally, around the world, they were often heavily tied to the community's spirituality. But back to Tlazolteotl, she also had connections to the moon, and a lot of her iconography contains lunar symbolism. She also has ties to salt production, presumably because the moon affects the tides, which impacts on the ability to harvest it. Now, with this idea of decay and the moon, she has four aspects, also described as her sisters. Now, these sisters or aspects represent also the moon, but also different stages of life. That of a young woman, where she is lustful and carefree. 
Her second, slightly older form sees her reside over uncertainty. At middle age, she absorbed people's sins, and her final stage, she's a destructive old woman who chases young people. Just a side note on Aztec beliefs on the moon, I found it really interesting and had to share it with you. So they believe the moon acted as a container. It's essentially like a glass, and it held a sacred liquid as it moved through the heavens. Its different phases and shapes it produced, like the crescent for example, were explained by the container tilting and effectively spilling the liquid on the earth. Now as well as temples being her sacred places, Siwakali, or House of Women, were also sacred to her. We think they were essentially ancient brothels. Interior rooms faced a courtyard in the centre of which was a statue to Tlazolteotl. Erotic dances were performed, probably in her honour, but I couldn't find out a lot about this building. Catholic colonisers had destroyed the majority of evidence and records around this. Tlazolteotl was also honoured in the festival of Ochpanastalil, meaning sweeping the roads, which falls in our September, and essentially celebrated the harvest. Traditionally, it was to purify the community, but also to prepare them for war, and it's one of the most intriguing Aztec festivals. In her name, it featured ritualised sweeping and general cleaning. One ritual around fertility involved priests with hyper-extended colourful paper penises, say that three times fast. They would seductively dance where penetration, orgasm and birth would happen symbolically, or physically, depending on the area. After this was completed, the priests would be symbolically castrated and given brooms to sweep the community. Supposedly, people would touch the earth and then touch their tongue after cleaning to prove how well they had cleaned. Afterwards, copal would be burnt and dancing would start. Other goddesses would then also be honoured within this festival. A woman would dress up to mimic Tlazolteotl, where she would then be sacrificed, decapitated, and her skin would be flayed and worn by a priest. Others would then take components of a ritual dress and wear them. Now, in regard to the victim's skin, it was often worn by a male priest, showing rebirth and renewal, but also highlighting interesting questions about how society perceived Tlazolteotl's gender. Sweeping also played an important role in childbirth. Before the mother-to-be gave birth, she was bathed and the entire house was swept clean in preparation of the child, and also as a way to protect the two. Brooms were seen as weapons against chaos and as a result couldn't be stored within the home, and when women swept, they had to be careful in case bristles broke off, as men could take these and use them to make women fall in love with them. Tlazolteotl, in regards to childbirth, tends to be the patron god of healthcare professionals, particularly midwives. She also oversees medicines, herbal remedies, fortune tellers, surgeons, bloodletters, clairvoyants, and other healers. In fact, it was people from these professions that made up the crowds at Ochpanas Tilil. I found a recipe for a traditional floor wash to use within the festival from Master Grace. Please consider the cultural implications of using this. So, you clean the house, paying particular attention to the floor, windows and path to the house, and do so with mindfulness. Be present for this and have intention. You then want to boil some water, add to this two handfuls of roux, the juice of two limes, two cups of salt, 
half a cup of holy water. Remember, this is water that's just prayed over. You can make it yourself and you can dedicate it to any deity. You then want to put half a bottle of Florida water in. Then you pour this into a bucket of clean water and you want to wipe this over where you've cleaned while you burn copal. You can also pray or bless the space as you go. Tlazaltiotl also has a warrior aspect that is often overlooked. She was seen at times as a sacrificial victim, but also as a captor of enemies, and this aspect rolled over into a childbirth role. When Aztec women gave birth, it was seen as a similar feat to that of capturing an enemy in battle. In fact, a translation from a codex implies that the woman's birthing cries were the same as war cries. Her birth was a battle, and once over, she had become a brave warrior, and that she had, quote, captured a baby. Men who captured enemies on the battlefields referred to them as their sons as well, and once captured, they were turned over for sacrificial purposes. With her link to sex, those suffering from syphilis and other sexual infections prayed to her, and she was summoned for sex magic and to attract or remove a lover. Interestingly, she also has a link to epilepsy. Now, the Aztecs viewed the disorder as sacred. During a seizure, the person was said to be closer to the gods, largely due to the fact loss of movement and consciousness occurred. It was considered a kind of death state. Tlazolteotl was said to bring this condition on, as well as sending it away, largely due to the fact that she had powers over death and could keep it at bay. In one of the codices, Codex Vaticanus, Tlazolteotl is depicted as having symptoms of epilepsy that she is passing on to those not affected by the condition. She appears to be mid-convulsion. Her face is twisted, her eyes are streaming, with bent and twisting limbs and a mouth which spews blood. I've put this image on my Instagram. There's also a connection between the moon and epilepsy in the fact that Aztecs noticed that epileptic fits were far more frequent around a full moon. Also, linking childbirth and the moon, Aztec women also used a lunar count to track and time their pregnancies. Now, one of the treatments the Aztecs came up for epileptic convulsions was a vile mixture of roots, hot water, stones from specific birds' stomachs, the root of a highly odoriferous plant, Quetzal Adzonyatl, a deer's horn, white incense, human corpse hair, ashes of an incinerated mole, and the feathers of a vulture. The corpse's hair was symbolic for killing the condition. Please do not make this mixture at home, and this should not be taken as medical advice, and seek professional help if you suffer from seizures. I actually managed to find a historic account of invoking her. It's from a Spanish priest, so bear that in mind, but the invocation goes, Come fire, come, her hair is mist, her hair is smoke, come water my mother, chawi chea, come incense white woman, come you, Tlazolteotl, come see me, night Tlazole, white Tlazole, green Tlazole. I have come, I am the priest, Beware of rising up against me. The invoker then took on the power of Tlazolteotl in order to heal a patient. I mentioned the word Tlazoli earlier. It is essentially decayed matter that no longer has form. It interferes 
with that which is clean and tidy, it was seen as a disruption and impure. Because of the scope of her power, there are many ways to honour and work with her, but please consider the cultural implications of working with a deity that isn't within your cultural heritage. One which I thought of was actually drawing her image onto your compost bin if you own one. That way, every time you throw out your waste food, it's an offering to her, and pays homage to this idea of her eating filth and promoting decay. She also has a connection to the magwe plant, belonging to the agave family. You could grow one on your altar and dedicate it to her. You could give her offerings of dirt, and you could incorporate her into a purification ritual and use a steam bath as well. There is something fascinating about how Tlazalteotl is both the sinner and the absolver. Initially a goddess of cotton, she morphed to the needs of people and increased her areas of dominion to that of warfare, childbirth and sexuality. So fiercely loved by her worshippers that the Spanish wrote many books and letters home complaining about how they refused to abandon her. She's a beacon of transmutation and I think it's quite telling that she's currently enjoying a revival. There's many online saying she's a goddess of witchcraft, and personally, I don't know if I agree with that. The word witchcraft was used to describe old world practices, and carries a broad definition which doesn't always fit within a historical narrative and other cultural spiritual practices, the word witchcraft exists in a vacuum that distinguishes itself from Abrahamic religions. In Mesoamerica, from the historical records we have, there wasn't really a magical counterculture that lay outside mainstream religion. The magical culture was the mainstream religion. I really hope I don't come across as some sort of gatekeeper. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I think labelling her with witchcraft undermines the complexities and the nuances of this goddess and Aztec society as a whole. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors Well community, as well as being in the communal sugarpot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com, and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is a short hymn to Tlazalteotl from Bayes George. My heart is a flower, the corolla opens. Ah, it is the mistress of midnight, and she has arrived, our mother, the goddess, Tlazel Teotl. Peace out, witches. I'll be back October 6th.
catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.